Before we start today's episode, there's something important for agencies seeking a reliable way to attract new business, especially during busy periods. I want to introduce you to Leaflow Sprint. It's an eight-week program that simplifies your marketing and consistently attracts the attention of potential clients without requiring a massive marketing budget or external sales teams. With my 17 years of experience in aiding agencies to gain visibility in new clients, this program offers a practical and effective approach to lead generation. Forget about unpredictable leads and embrace a method that works across different agency sizes. And if you're keen to learn more, you need to visit caffeine.club slash LFS. That's K-A-F-F-E-N dot C-L-U-B forward slash L for Lima, F for Foxtrot, S for Sierra. Now let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Caffeine Podcast. Today we are talking to Rob Tabraka, who is uh, the founder at Insight Matters. Rob started his career in the big corporate world, a world full of management meetings, delegated responsibilities and clear KPIs. Quickly learned that the entrepreneurial route was a better fit for him. After running several technology and consulting ventures across the globe, Rob realized that there is one thing that excites him more than building his own business helping other entrepreneurs get clarity and insight into their own business goals and finances. So really happy to introduce um, Rob on the podcast today because one of the prime audiences that he works with are agencies and we share that audience in common. Um, So I was really curious just to get some more insight on him from him on how my clients can uh, can put his insights into into uh, action. That was very verbose. I clearly haven't had enough coffee yet. <laughs> so it's lovely to have you on board, Rob. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. So can you just give us a bit of an outline, first of all, on what Insight Matters does and specifically with um, agency clients in mind? Yeah, we basically uh, translate everything that's in your bookkeeping, all the hidden treasures that are in there into a visual dashboard for founders and owners of businesses. And we run the analysis uh, together with them and for them to take out the, tr- the treasures and see where you can add more value, increase your prices or grow your profits in any way whatsoever. Excellent. Um, and I was just sharing before we started recording the call an experience that I had uh, with Rob, which was when I was, um, working in agency and we'd had the pleasure of only uh, thriving and growing on on marketing efforts uh, to a certain point. And then the company went through rapid expansion. We had to more seriously focus on new business. But before we did, we went through an exercise with uh, consultants. So not technology as as Rob's working with because that don't think that technology was available at the time, uh, but with consultants who went through the bookkeeping to understand where there were which clients were the most profitable which retainers were the most valuable which industries to focus on which decision makers we needed to keep in touch with and basically the the findings of this were almost opposite of what we'd thought because when you're in an agency environment uh, it's it's really easy to have magpie syndrome and focus on the the new shiny thing rather than think about the things that have been hanging around and and paying the bills and the overheads for the longest period of time and actually that's where you should be focusing your efforts if you want to become more profitable. Uh, and, and Rob shared the revolutionary insight with me that actually 
Inside Matters has uh, created a piece of software that effectively gives you access to these uh, jewels, as he calls them, these little gems of information that you can then harness and interpret and, and, uh, and put into action. Um, is my understanding correct, Rob? Yes, with one small <laughs> exception that we did not create the software. We're utilizing oh, okay. other software. We're much more on the business and the finance side than on the software development side. Okay. So we're working with off-the-shelf software, but indeed, 80% um, of what you described the consultants did is what we are doing as well. But then probably for agencies of a slightly smaller scale than where you were at last time. And indeed, the, it's always fun to see the surprise and the shock on uh, the team's faces when you tell them like, look, you think that this is where you're, making, where you're making the money and where the growth is coming from. But actually, if you dive into the numbers, that client that pays the highest retainer may not be as profitable as you think it is. That's always a fun discussion. Yeah, I can imagine. And I've been there and it's uh, quite eye-opening. So can you just give us a bit of insight before we get stuck into how it works on which agency clients you see get the most benefit from this, which, which types and what size and, and what kind of level of person within the organization is best suited to go through this information? The person suited to go through this information is always the, the founder and the owner mm -hmm. uh, or the managing director. Um, and the biggest, the best size where we get the big, best result is somewhere between five and 25 people usually. If it's less than five people, you as the owner probably know good enough what's going on that it doesn't make a lot of sense to delegate or outsource this kind of reporting. If you're over 25, you're probably at a size and a complexity that starts to make sense to have somebody in-house do this because we get close, we understand the business, but we're never as close as somebody would be full-time in-house. Absolutely, I understand. And in terms of the, the types of agencies that you work with, is there a particular kind that you see get the most benefit from this or is it it's pretty similar across the board? It's not, about the, not so much about the type of agency, it's much more about the type of founder. It, we see the best results with founders that are very strong in their skill, whether that's PR or digital marketing, and are really actively aware how, how important the finance is, and they are actively aware that they don't have the knowledge, but they know they should have. And they're willing to act on it when they get the insights, which is, oh, yeah, uh, is always an interesting thing. And I, it, that might sound really obvious to say that out loud, but uh, some people prefer to say in blissful ignorance from my experience and say, I think it's a, a situation where, you know, only the people who are curious and are going to act on it need apply um, and because they're the ones who will get the most out of this. Oh, yeah. If, if they look at our reporting and, and listen to our walkthroughs and they say like, cool, thank you. And they're going to keep doing what they've done before the same the same over and over again. They're not going to get then there's no value. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Um I can't even remember who, who it was who said it. No, it was probably Thomas Edison and Albert Einstein or somebody much, much smarter than me and with clearly with a better memory. But the true sign of um, lack of intelligence is doing the same thing or true sign of failure is doing the same thing again and again and expecting different results. And I think that really is true here uh, in the sense that there's so much information within an agency business from from timesheets and understanding where different people at different levels are spending their time through to the very different um, contract types you might have, the different, different payment structures with clients that you might have from everything from part equity and, and low costs through to retainer models, through to upfront payment, through to 
you know, broken down into segments throughout the project based on stages. And uh, it's just incredibly overwhelming to look at that, even probably for a financial director to look at that uh, at a glance. And so the objectivity that comes with um, an outside set of eyes or even better, an algorithm <laughs> that doesn't uh, pick up on the noise uh, and is very clear, close and literal, um, I think sounds like the best uh, best solution in this case. Uh, so I, just a question that I know um, is a topic that you speak about a lot. Can you give us a bit of uh, insight into more specific ways in which bookkeeping can drive profit growth? If you're driving, yeah, because bookkeeping is the number one undervalued part of any business. And I understand it. I hate it myself as well because it's incredibly boring, but it's the foundational input. So any analysis you're going to do in your financials comes from the information that your bookkeeper puts in. So if you have that in the right level of detail and you spell out the right metrics that you want to track, then that's where you get the insight from. That's where you get the numbers from. And if you can connect the dots, that's how it translates to insight. If you put all your revenue in one revenue account, there's no way you can dive in and understand which market or which niche or which client is most profitable because you don't have the data available. So then you're looking at a, at a, big, um, a big wall of numbers without any detail, without any distinction, there's no way you can make any decision based on that. So it's what you just mentioned, the timesheets, that is always in agencies, the biggest struggle that we're encountering because how is the team tracking the time? Are they actually allocating it on, at the very least, the right clients or the right project that they're working on? From our experience, most people working in agencies are creative. They hate the, the feeling of being checked. They hate the feeling of being controlled. So there's usually a lot of resistance against filling out the timesheets. But from the finance perspective, if you don't know where your team is spending the time, you don't know where you're making money, you don't know if a client is profitable or not. So let alone that you know how to price um, the, uh, the, the, the quotation for the next client, or if you should expand your team or not. Yeah, and I um, really identify <laughs> with the, uh, the difference um, between most creative personality types in the design department and the uh, willingness to, to fill in timesheets. I always used to feel so bad for the various financial uh, director's assistants who'd have to send out the email towards the end of the month chasing people to fill in the timesheets. It's a collective groan in the studio and then everyone was shooting daggers at her for the rest of the afternoon. <laughs> I used to feel so bad for her. I was very lucky. I was actually the only person in the business who didn't have to fill in a timesheet. So, uh, yeah, that was the time of the month where I always felt uh, very privileged to not have to go through that painful exercise. <laughs> um, so just just picking up on something you mentioned there about the uh, the metrics that that go into the bookkeeping. Um, can you talk me through the most commonly used key metrics, which are the most useful to you? Well, the most useful for me are not necessarily the ones that are most useful for the owner. Okay. Um, the, the metrics that we will be looking at, of course, is revenue. Although revenue is a bit of a vanity metric because in the end, revenue doesn't tell you much. We look at gross margin and that's where the timesheets come in. We, of course, look at net margin. So your gross margin minus all your overhead costs. We look at operational cash flow, And that's the one that usually gets forgotten because you wouldn't be the first agency that seems very profitable, but if clients aren't paying and your bank account is empty, Good luck telling your team that you're very profitable, but you don't have cash. 
Um, the other things we're often looking at are acquisition costs. So how much does it actually cost you to acquire a client? Lifetime value. How much gross margin are you making over the lifetime with a client? And if that's too close to the acquisition costs, you're doing something wrong. So either your acquisition cost has to go down or your lifetime has to go, uh, the LTV has to go up. And we usually like to compare it a lot uh, over the different client groups. So if you're working with a couple of different niches, compare your revenue and your margins per niche. Or if you have only a few clients on a per client basis. And depending on the agency, we look at per employee metrics as well. So revenue and gross margin per employee. Um, those are the, the key ones. And of course, account, accounts receivable. Is that under control? How much of your receivables are overdue? And anything that's more than 30 days overdue should be a massive red flag. Simply because if it's more than 30 days overdue, the chance that you can collect it is going down on a daily basis. And just picking up, there's a couple of points there as you spoke that I, I really, my ears pricked up at because I, I've kind of come across them uh, as challenges. The latter was uh, around accounts receivable and just the amount of time it takes. So I, when I've worked in agencies, you know, the, the clients that seem the biggest on face value, the big conglomerates that you really want to work with, you go through a really painful marketing procurement process. Then you yeah. have to agree to the payment terms, which are invariably no less than 90 days. Um, and and then they don't necessarily pay on time because um, you're the small fry and they can kind of boss you around. And it actually seems the most unfair because in, in some cases on face value, they can seem the most profitable but then when you get into it actually it, they're very unreliable in terms of depending on the cash flow um and i know that that is a struggle that a lot of smaller agencies who think they've caught a really big fish of a client um a huge drinks brand or pharmaceutical brand or household uh, product brand all of a sudden without a dedicated accounting team I can have the shock of the lies when they realize that they're spending a lot of time on finance and chasing payments rather than doing the creative work, which of course increases or lowers the lifetime uh, value of that client because of the time spent on it um, in an admin role rather than a creative role, which is after all why they were employed in the first place. Worse than that is that they don't realize that they're going to pre-finance uh, their team for three or four months for that big corporate. So essentially, you're financing the big corporate. And to me, that doesn't make sense. I know that a lot of corporates impose that. The one way around that is to try to negotiate for a deposit. That I have seen that work, but, well, I, I wouldn't say it's more than 50%. Ironically, if you're in a newer niche, one of our clients is in podcasting. I don't know how they did it. Every corporate that works with them pays 100% upfront for the whole project. Because they manage to position themselves as the expert on this particular area. They don't have to go through a tender with 10 other agencies. So if you manage to stand out enough, this problem can be circumvented. Absolutely. And I think that's really where profile raising comes in, which of yeah. course is a topic that caffeine uh, espresso listeners are really familiar with because I'm always banging on about it. You know, the importance of, of blowing your own trumpet and, and reaching out to prospective clients and then backing that up with marketing in the right places that they'll spot them and, uh, and suddenly they feel like it's kismet because they see that agency name everywhere or they're vaguely aware of it, which is better than not being aware at all. 
as you're talking, I, I just noticed something else as well, which is that, you know, we did, I didn't mention in the, the cost of acquiring those huge clients is that they, agencies will spend way more time, effort and energy often on pitching for um, those biggest clients because they view them as the most valuable and could be susceptible, even if they don't normally agree to it, to do free pitching in that scenario because they want to win that client. Um, and that's also a, a huge area that really needs to be transparent and not denied or covered up or ignored, yeah. but taken into account when it comes to calculating that lifetime value of the client. And like you said, the, the cost of acquisition right at the start. And that's where those horrible timesheets come in again, because mm -hmm. you have some out-of-pocket cost for the pitching, but it's mainly the time of your team that you're spending on that. And a lot of owners seem to think like, oh, the, their salary is already paid for, and that doesn't really count. Yeah. But it's a massive cost. If you're pitching a lot, and especially if your win rate is low, it really, really ramps up your acquisition costs. And if you don't calculate that into your pricing, into your rates, you may be actually fully loss making without knowing it. Absolutely. You fall victim to sunk cost fallacy and, um, and uh, yeah, aren't taking that into account when you go through that process. So note to smaller agencies, the bigger clients may not necessarily be the best for you. And if you go through that process once, make, take care to analyze it well. So you understand actually did it, did it work for you? And I guess that's where Rob comes in. But one of the, one of the things that uh, the other thing that came up when you were discussing uh, the point prior was actually having worked in, in tech as well and worked in areas that dealt with um, very commoditized products, such as insurance, uh, mobile phone, contract acquisition and energy and utility acquisition. Some of the, the phrases that you, you're talking about here, cost of acquisition um, of a client, lifetime value of the client, these are all really common metrics across those kind of businesses um, who are very transparent and very open across all elements of their business. And it shocks me now I think about it that actually they haven't necessarily been employed or at least that I'm aware of in agencies to the same extent. I mean, I know that um, anybody who's using Stripe now, um, which I do myself because I don't have an accounting department and I take payment up front, as you discussed previously, you know, there's a lot of these metrics are covered there automatically and, and you can see them easily. But it, it's becoming really apparent to me as we're talking that if you're running on 90 day terms and everything's done through invoices um, and yeah, it's just a lot more complex, then that's, that's really where Insight Matters come in. It's, it sounds like that's the dashboard that helps to give those insights. So, yep. um, so focusing on uh, the more positive side of this, because of course we're talking about all the really negative stuff that could happen and, and does happen because we've seen it time and time again. Um, you know, you've really come up with a solution to this, or you know, you, you're, you're supporting agencies in this area. Uh, one of the questions that we discussed in advance was um, a financial perspective on goal setting, and I just wondered if there's is there anything optimistic to to kind of think about in terms of uh, if you if uh, a smaller agency owner is listening into this, how can they reframe how they set their goals based on on your knowledge and insights? I would, I'm going to say that almost everything about goal setting is positive, um, simply because if you know where you want to go, like what, what your ambition is, whether that is making it a lifestyle business or want to become a 200 uh, headcount agency, if you know where you're heading to go and you can break that down into the steps on a 
depending on the time frame you're looking at, like a, a, a initially a yearly or a quarterly or a monthly uh, breakdown, the goal setting part is arguably at least, okay, I'm biased, but it's probably <laughs> the most fun part of the whole planning exercise because you can think about and, and fantasize like if we want to go there, what does it take? How, how are the steps looking like if we want to get there? from having five or 10 people now to 20, you can still relatively easy foresee what it would take to get there. But further out, when you go to 50, it's much more of a creative thinking exercise than how would the team look like? What what does my role look like? Um, And who are our clients? What are our project sizes? And if you, do you want to work with a lot of smaller clients or do you want to work with a small number of big clients it will both get you to the same revenue points but the operations and the team and the profitability and the risk is all completely different so the thought experiment to see how that company should look like in your goal state so whether it's two three five years out that is in my eyes super fun and then you break that down into years, quarters, and for the next 12 months, also on a monthly basis with a revenue target, with a number of leads targets. So you want to break it down in uh, leading and lagging indicators where Mm -hmm. the lagging ones are the financial ones. So how much revenue do you need to make that month? Uh, How much profit do you need to make, et cetera? And the leading ones are how many leads do you need to have? How many pitches do you need to join? What is your win rate on the pitches? which I hope for you over time would go up. Maybe it's 25% now in, well, hopefully in the next year, it should be 50%, for example. Working out that whole picture from now to three to five years from now, that really helps you to understand what you need to do, what metrics you need to track. um, And if you're along the way, if you're on the right track or not. And how much data do you need in order to make these kind of assumptions and goal and and set these kind of goals? Is it kind of a case of three to five years of data? What what is the the nice... You mean historics? Yeah, historic data, because that's what uh, Insight Matters uses, right? You're using uh, the the historic uh, data of, uh, in terms of finances, uh, bookkeeping overall to understand, to make assumptions about the future and what you need to do to get there. We focus on analyzing and interpreting the historic data. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, that's not always the best indicator for future planning. So mm-hmm. we are much more focused on helping you improve it now and get to that next six to 12 month goal. For you as the owner, the longer term planning, you don't need much historic data because probably what you have done in the last two, three years is not what you need to do in the next two to three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you want to level up, your role needs to change, your company needs to change. So the historic data becomes a little bit less relevant. Okay. Um, but what point at which we, what, what would be the minimum data set that you'd recommend somebody um, using this tool with? Uh, at least 12 months. Okay. 12 months of data. Okay. Interesting. Otherwise, it's really hard. If you only have three or four months, you can't see any trends. You can't see seasonality. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't see the effects yet of marketing efforts that you're doing now because it may take two, three, five, six months before that actually converts into additional sales and additional clients. 
Oh, absolutely. And and I'd say much longer um, in in many respects for for agencies because um, the fact that your marketing doesn't necessarily mean that they need that service right now. It's a bit different from selling chocolate bars, right? <laughs> and getting someone excited and then nipping down to Sainsbury's. So um, I think that's really interesting as well is, is understanding. I don't know if it's something you guys cover, but understanding, you know, in terms of targeting the, the activities that you're doing, then understanding how long, what is the lag time to take for those yeah. to take effect? At what point do you start getting um, leads in from those? And therefore, as you said, the leading times, you know, to better understand the, uh, how you need to set leading time goals um, around those kind of spearheading activities that get people interested in your agency in the first place. Yeah. Well, what, we, what I think we see is for those agencies that work with more organic and reputation-based and word of mouth, their acquisition cost is relatively low, but it's also incredibly slow, but in general, pretty solid growth. Those that rely more on paid traffic, um, Facebook ads, Google ads, et cetera, have a much higher acquisition costs, but they manage to convert their marketing spend much faster into new clients. So that you need to understand what in your situation is the lag time. Mm, that's really interesting. And do you feel that's because, is that within this insights from within the same industry? And would that be the agency industry? Because typically I've found paid traffic uh doesn't convert in in marketing agency world um so i'm kind of curious to understand if you've kind of got any insights in terms of agencies in in from that perspective in the sense of traditional agencies no i haven't seen that work but for example in um lead generation agencies so which is also an agency who does the lead generation for uh, a certain industry yeah there i have seen it work yeah quite well actually yeah when people have a very pressing need at that moment in time i think that's when that's when paid search um or just paid advertising in general works well um but i completely my experience completely tallies with what you mentioned about um you know the cost of acquisition of uh clients via referral i mean i'm c uh i think i was reading a report quite recently it was 67 or 68 percent easier to win referred business than it is called new business and certainly even though i support the agencies that i work with um to build cold lead generation um systems i always encourage them if they're desperate for revenue and they need to keep the lights on you know that three month mark in the office studio whatever needs to pay the rent uh, then they should always use referral as a method to start the ball rolling because, as you said, it still takes time. It takes more time potentially because you might not be reaching out to somebody at the point at which they need your service. But it is so much easier to convert when you've got a peer, um, one of their peers, um, to vouch for your service and what you do. Uh, so it's great to hear that you see that too. Okay. Um, is there anything else you'd like to discuss at all, Rob? Because I feel like it, it, this is really, it is really exciting and it's a, it's an often overlooked topic um, because people like you mentioned earlier in association with timekeeping and uh, yeah. uh, timesheets, people just want to get on with uh, the creative aspect of business and they don't want to sit down and look at these kind of numbers, which is why <laughs> I think it's so great to speak to you and understand that you offer them insights. Is there anything else about um 
insight matters that you want to share or any other kind of nuggets of wisdom that we can pass on to the listeners of Cafe Nespresso? The number one thing is that people stare at revenue and profits and forget cash flow. And like we discussed the payment terms, it's so much more valuable to have one pound in your bank now than have the promise of getting 125 90 or 120 days from now. So if a client would ask for a discount and you can trade that off against them paying upfront, I'm going to say nine out of 10 times that's worth it. Simply reduce the risk, have the cash in the bank and forget about that hassle. Do you know what? I often tell people that they ask me whether they should discount. I often encourage them not to, but what you've just said is... it, it completely tallies with everything I know from studying an MBA and everything about compound interest and taking money up front rather than over longer periods of time. So uh, I have no idea why I haven't made that association when I'm having those conversations before. So that's a great insight to me as well. And a reminder that you need to be looking for inspiration everywhere and outside of your own category. So I think that will come as a very valuable advice to uh, a lot of the people who are listening. And where can people find you, Rob, um, should they wish to know more? Uh, the best place is our website, financeinsightmatters.com, or uh, LinkedIn is also a good place to find me. Okay, and it's Insight Matters on LinkedIn um, yeah. if you're looking for the business. And I'll share the links in the show notes as well in case anybody listening wants to get in contact with uh, Rob because they want to implement this stuff in their business as soon as possible. Uh, which I encourage you to start looking into this area as soon as possible. Uh, even if you feel like you're not at the stage you know, you, even if you feel like you're at the growth stage and things don't look now how you want them to look in the future, perhaps there's even more reason to be looking into this and be setting yourself some realistic goals, uh, which also stretch you. Um, but important to know which direction you're going in and not just go around in circles. So uh, that's why this stuff is important. Rob, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Um, I wish you all the best with what you're doing and um, thank you. hope we have the opportunity to speak in the future. I hope as well. Thanks. Thank you. Just before we wrap up, I want to touch on a crucial opportunity for your agency's growth. As a creative agency, your primary focus should be on delivering exceptional work, not getting bogged down in sales and marketing. And that's where Leadflow Sprint comes in. It's an eight-week program designed to streamline your lead generation process, bringing in a steady flow of potential clients to you. No more struggling with the ups and downs of trying to gain the attention of new business. Our program includes hands-on support, including direct input on your copywriting, ensuring a bespoke approach to your lead generation needs. No more feeling stuck in the feast or famine cycle. Our real-time support, including direct feedback on tasks like copywriting, helps you to bid farewell to inconsistently and embrace a lead generation system that's tailored to your unique needs. Visit caffeine.club slash LFS. That's K-A-F-F-E-N dot c-l-u-b forward slash l for lima f for foxtrot s for sierra